Well, good morning, Coastal. Now, the rumor is that you guys, the 11.15 a.m. people, are the rowdy ones. So if that's true, let me hear you guys take about three seconds and give God some praise in here this morning. Yeah, buddy, I like it, I like it. Well, as you know, I am not Pastor TJ. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here at Coastal Community Church. And Pastor TJ has decided to take this weekend off and, like the Beastie Boys, pass me the mic. He called me about 12 o'clock last night and says, Terry, can you preach the morning? I said, what, what? He said, Notre Dame lost. <laughs> Just kidding. He didn't really say that. So <laughs> anyway, but, but, but pray for him because he is probably sulking in so, you know, some, somewhere, somewhere right now. He's probably a little upset because his team, if you know anything about Pastor TJ, you know he loves Notre Dame. So and, uh, for all the Florida State fans out there, I know you guys are happy. So that was, I guess we don't have very many of them. <laughs> so anyway. But anyway, so last week we started a new series called Draw a Circle, and Pastor TJ opened us up and kind of set a framework of how we're to pray, and he used the example of the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, like, you know, and we like died off in the middle, right? So he gave us a structure and how God honors bold prayers, that bold prayers exercise our faith, and God loves those type of prayers because it shows us where our trust is, that our trust is in him. So when we declare something in prayer that we believe that God is going to back it up from heaven. Amen? And today we're going to start into uh, the second week, and it's gonna, we're going to talk about the prayer of Jabez and, and why God answered Jabez's prayer. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 9 and 10. Now, I, I say it all the time, I come from a Black Baptist Church, so usually we ask people to stand, I'm not going to ask you to do that, but when you're there at 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, say amen. 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 Anyway, we're going to start there. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says, there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because he, his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. And one translation says he cried out to the God of Israel. He said, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do. Keep me from all pain and trouble. And God granted him this request. Now, I want to kind of give a little bit of a disclaimer because God granted Jabez's request, not because of Jabez's prayer and the words that he used, the eloquent speech that he prayed for 30 days straight for 30 times a day. No, it's because Jabez had a personal relationship with God. This is why God granted that request with Jabez. So it's important that we understand that it's not about how we pray and the structure that we, like just like the things we say, it's about the relationship that we have with the creator. And the thing is, is we, gotta, we want you to understand something, that when we pray, we have to express our need to God, we have to wait on God, we have to obey what he's telling us to do, and then we have to thank him for what he's already done. I like how Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says it. It says like this, and this is the overarching scripture that we, we want you guys to remember throughout the series, is that Philippians 4, 6, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, tell God what you need, and then thank him for all he's done. Honey said, there's a severe drought that we're facing right now. I'm going to stand in this circle, God, until you do something big, because I believe I can see what you can do. I'm going to believe, God, that you're going to make it rain, and before anybody else sees it rain, I'm going to draw the circle, stand here, and I'm going to stay here until you do it. And God did it. And that's what happened. God got the glory. So we want this series to awaken the dreamer inside of you. Because everybody in here has a dream, and we believe that if you can get connected to the dream giver, that God will begin to start to awaken that thing inside of you. Because here's the thing I want you to understand, that we are created in the image of God, the Bible says, amen? 
And if we're created in the image of God, that means we're created from one of the most creative beings in the entire universe. So that means that God has planted something on the inside of you that nobody else has a clue, but only you and God. We want, to, we want you guys to awaken that thing this morning. So here's the thing. As we connect with God, the beautiful thing is the more we pray, the bigger our dreams become. And the bigger our dreams become, the more we have to pray. Amen? And here's the thing. It's like the cycle of things. And the Bible says you reap what you sow. So, so if, if, I re, if I sow by giving, the Bible says it'll be given back to me, pressed down, shaken together, running over. If I sow by serving my spouse, I'm going to reap love. So if I sow by praying and pursuing the presence of God, I'm going to reap the benefit of his presence. And that's the beautiful thing. It's like the cycle of things that go on and on. But here's the thing I want you to understand is that these prayers and these dreams that we're talking about, these aren't self-indulgent desires and instant gratifications to become rich, to become famous, to become more powerful so we can influence and manipulate people. No, these are the prayers that God has planted on the inside of you so that when you achieve or when people start to see the things that God has put inside of you that he can be glorified so other people's lives can be changed. Because the, the tragedy of it is that sometimes we often, when we think about dreams, it, is how can it affect my world? And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. I like how Mark Batterson says it. He says, at some point, most of us stop living out of our imagination and we start living out of memory. Instead of creating the future, we start repeating the past. Instead of living by faith, we live by logic. Instead of going after our dreams, we stop circling. Now, for some of you, if you're like me, it's easy for you to dream. I can, man, I'm going to take on the world. Whoa! I know it, you know. It's easy for you to dream. But if you're a logical person, it may be harder for you to dream. Now, hear me out. Dreamers, if you're like me, if you're like me, and you believe you can do anything like me, you got to differentiate between what is a God-given dream and what is a Terry dream. And logical people, if you're like my wife, because she's very logical, she tells me, <laughs> see, uh, shh, oh. if you're like my wife and you're logical, it's time for you to step out and say, okay, God, what are you calling me to do? Neither one of them are wrong, but it's to differentiate between what is a God-given dream, what is your dream, and what's logic. Are you tracking what I'm saying? They're both very important. But as kids, man, we have this, this crazy thing, like this ability to dream. If you have children in here, you understand, like, kids believe they can do anything. I know if you're, if you're my age, you know, like 30-something, um, you, you, if you played sports when you were growing up, you dreamed that you were going to be the next Michael Jordan. And I had someone in the first service that didn't know who Michael Jordan was. We're praying for them, okay? <laughs> we're we're going to believe that they get saved, all right? Anyway, you dreamed that you were going to be the next Michael Jordan. And when Pastor TJ and I were talking about this message, what, what I was going to talk about today, we were talking about, about that. And he said, man, and I quote, I quote, <laughs> Man, I was a baller. I was going to be the next Michael Jordan. The logical part of my brain kicked in and said, TJ, you are white and four foot two. Something ain't adding up here. The only thing you have in common with MJ is that bald head of yours. I'm just saying. And for me, it was like I was going to be the next Randall Cunningham. Even though I could only throw the ball like 26 yards, <laughs> I knew that one day I was going to be able to throw the ball 80 yards like Chris Carter or somebody going to catch a touchdown. Like I knew it. I just knew it. Y'all wouldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> but the point of this is that at some point in our life, we stop dreaming. We start living out of the memory of the past. And it happens to me a lot in the gym. I like to work out a little bit. I, I enjoy working out. 
Um, really, I do. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I like to do bench press. And yes, anyway. But when I'm sometimes people try me, man, they try me in the gym, and I'm like, dude, leave me alone, man. Get out of my face. You know, <laughs> how much you bench? I tell them a number, and they're like, yeah, I used to do that back in the day. Good on you. Headphones go back in. But the point of this is that we stop dreaming and we start living out the memory of our past. That's a tragedy, but why do we stop dreaming? I like how Mark Batterson says, he says, our date of death is not etched on our tombstone. The day we stop dreaming is the day we start dying. The day we stop dreaming about how good God said our marriage can be is the day we stop working on it. The day we stop dreaming about how we can be an asset and be, to the job is the day we start becoming a commodity. The day we stop dreaming about how we can invite people to church to see the lives change and transformed by the presence of God is the day we start dying. Why do we stop dreaming? We have the wrong view of who God is. A.W. Tozer says it like this. He said, your view of God is the most important aspect about your relationship with God. A low view of God can cause a hundred lesser evils, but a high view of God is the solution to 10,000 temporal problems. Just like Jabez, he knew how to cry out to God. Jabez means pain. He knew who to cry out to. And I love that because when our problems seem so much bigger than what God has put in our life, who are we crying out to? Is, is, is our problems, are they bigger than God or is God bigger than our problems? Do we know who to cry out to? How big is God? Let's look at Psalm 62, verse 11 and 12. It says this, God has spoken plainly, and I've heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people according to what they have done. See, God is bigger than that, that prayer that we learned when we were little kids. God is good. God is great. Thank you for the food we just ate. <laughs> He's bigger than that. God is good. God is great. He is sovereign. He is loving. He is powerful. Think about this. God is great because think about creation. He said, let there be light and there was God is great because as the Israelites were running away from the Egyptian army and, and they were being chased by them, they stood at the bank of the Red Sea and, Jesus, and God said, stretch out your rod, Moses, and the Red Sea parted. And guess what they went through and the Egyptians were swallowed up. God is great because, check this out, when they were in the wilderness, they needed food and God gave them fresh manna on a daily basis. But here is how great God is. If you doubt those miracles, the greatest miracle of it all is the gift of salvation. I think it's okay to clap right there. The gift of salvation is the greatest miracle, and there's no better place to start building your dreams and your prayer and your faith on the greatness of God. Here's what it boils down to, friends. The lack of ability to dream, and I hate to say it like this, but it really boils down to a lack of faith in God. Let me go over here and say it over here because we're a little quiet over there. <laughs> the lack of ability to dream is really a lack of faith in who God is. The lack of ability to dream is a lack of ability to have faith in who God is. And that's a, that's a crazy thing, man, is because if, if you're not willing to look a little bit foolish in your faith, what is that saying? We cannot build God's reputation if we're not willing to risk our own. My man Isaiah, and I'm not talking about my little son Isaiah. <laughs> I'm talking about Isaiah, the prophet from the Bible. Isaiah preached naked for three days in the city. You think he was willing to risk his reputation so that God could be glorified? 
Now, I'm not telling y'all to go around Broward County, running around preaching the word in a G-string. That ain't, that, 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 you might get arrested, and, and I don't want anybody to call the church and be like, hey, my pastor said, no, don't do that. <laughs> All right? But are you willing to risk your reputation for the goodness of God so that people can see his glory? Sometimes that's a little bit uncomfortable. And I don't like it all the time. But that's what God is asking us to do. Are we willing to do that to build our faith? Because right now it's time for us to start dreaming again. That's what Honey did. Honey did. He said, God, no matter what, I know we're facing a drought right here, right now. But I'm going to stand and I'm going to look foolish. I'm going to believe, God, that you're going to make it rain and mill this drought. He put his faith into action. And the Bible says faith without works is dead. And it's impossible to please God, but by faith. We have to start dreaming again. So if God answered all my prayers, would the world be different? And I like how Pastor TJ said it last week. He said, if all my prayers were fulfilled, would the world be different? Or would just my world be different? Man, that hit me hard last week. And I like how Jabez, like even, and we can go back to that scripture in 1 Chronicles 4, 9, we'll just kind of paraphrase it. He said, bless me, O Lord, enlarge my territory, protect me. So we have to understand there's something in there. He's saying, bless me, oh God. And that's nothing wrong with saying. So the first thing we have to do, we have to pray for God's blessing. Pray for God's blessing. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of blessing that we pray for that we see on TV. Lord Jesus, let my house be bigger. We got the B3 Hammond organ. Let my car be faster. Let me have a whole lot of commas and zeros. Some of us got a whole lot of commas and zeros, but the one number in front of that, that comma don't really make sense. Anyway, so... So we got to stop praying. That's called materialism. And on the flip side of that, we have what we call asceticism, which means I'm going to give everything away because everything that I possess is evil. Money is evil. Cars are evil. Houses are evil. That is not right either. Because we got to understand something. If you are in need, how can you help? So we got to find the balance. We have to pray for God's blessing. Let's look at how Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 says it. It says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. See, very rarely will God do something just for you. Yes, he will because he's sovereign. But the, the heart of it is that he wants you to bless others around you. I will make you into a great nation that you can bless other people. He wants you to bless others around you. So my question is, and I ask myself this a lot of times, and, and it's a hard question to ask, but I want you to ask yourself this and, and write it down. When we're blessed and we're praying for God's blessing, are we raising our standard of giving or are we raising our standard of living? So the resources that God has given you, are you raising your standard of giving or are you raising your standard of living? Are we blessing those around us so that God's sovereignty can be revealed are we serving those around us so that people can know the grace of God? See, Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. Are we doing that so that other people around us can see the sovereignty of God? Are we stewarding those resources the way God wants us to steward those resources? Number two, we have to pray for influence. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2, 3 says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you, will spread, uh, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispose nations and settle in their desolate cities. We have to leverage God, God's blessings to impact our community, to impact the city. And as we pray for influence, you have to understand something. That comes with responsibility. 
responsibility, <laughs> influence. How are those two things tied together? Because as we start to serve other people, that's where influence starts to happen. See, the world will tell you that influence is power, that you have to have power, positional power, to have influence. But Jesus says, no, serving people will give you influence. Save people, serve people. When's the last time we invited somebody to church because we've had influence with them? Save people, serve people. We talk about, in the American churches, man, we talk about influence more than ever. We pray about influence more than ever. But the tragedy is we have less of it than ever. We pray about influence so much, but the tragedy is we have less of it than ever. See, God is calling us to do something so large, so bold, that failure is not just an option, it's the only option. And I like how Mark Batterson says it. He says, failure is not an option, it's the only option. That is when God can show up because when we fail, it's when we get to that point that our faith can come in and God can do something great. The Bible says when we are weak, in our weakness, he's made strong. What's that risk that in that dream that God is planning inside of you that you're willing to take a risk, take a risk on? For the influence to invite people into the presence of God. I don't know if you've ever heard of Billy Hornsby, but Billy Hornsby is, uh, we kind of call him a patriarch kind of guy. He, he's the founder of the Association of Related Churches. They call it ARC. And, and our church is an ARC church. And before Billy Hornsby went on to be the Lord, they asked him, what is your view? What do you think the church could be? And he wrote on the back of a prayer card, he wrote this. He says, as I go to be with the Lord, I know that what I've built will live on. If you live for other people, your life lives on. If you're trying to create and influence people for your own kingdom, when you die, that dream dies. But if you're trying to influence people for the eternity, for eternity, when you go, that dream still lives on. Number four, I'm sorry, number three, we have to pursue his presence. Bless me. In another translation, I like what it says. It says, it says, do not take your hand from me. Because here's the thing, the hand of God represents the power and the presence of God. And a lot of times I find myself doing something that, that probably isn't the right thing. Actually, it's not the right thing. I'm like, God, I need you to show up over here. I'm praying about this thing. I need you to show up. It doesn't show up. <laughs> Why aren't you showing up? Okay, God, I need you to show up over here. I, I'm going to do this, God, right here. Show up. God, I need you to show up. Uh, uh, it doesn't show up. I need you to show up right here, God. And he's not showing up. I'm like, why are you not showing up, God, when I'm praying and asking you to be here? He said, because you're not seeking my presence. Instead of me praying, God, you follow me, I need to be like, Lord, where are you? God, where are you? Because in your presence, that's when I find healing. In your presence, that's when I find joy. In your presence, that's when I find salvation. In your presence, oh God, that's where I can begin to dream and strategize and plan. In your presence, because when I do it on my own, it's inevitable I will fail. Without your presence, I cannot go where you, not, you are not, God. So we have to kind of tweak our prayers a little bit and say, I may want to go over there, but God, is your presence there? I may want to do that. It looks like a great thing, but God, is your presence there? I may want to engage in this business venture. You gave me this dream about a business, but is your presence there? 
I may want to start dating that person, but put a Bible between it. Hello. <laughs> anyway, well, we have to seek God's presence. Number four, seek his protection. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says like this in the, in the New Living Translation, the final word, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Here's the thing. As God starts to plant those dreams in you and you're praying and you're connecting with God and those dreams become bigger and th those things start to come to fruition, trust me, you will become a marked target. Because people around you, if it's a God-given dream, their lives are going to be affected too. They're going to start to see the sovereignty and the presence and the grace of God. You will be a marked target by the enemy because the enemy does not want to lose ground on what he's trying to steal. We have to pray for God's presence, and we have to pray for his protection. Put on the full armor of God. It's so important, but why do we stop dreaming? The first thing was, was we had the wrong view of who God is. The second thing is we have a wrong view of who we are. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 17, it says it like this. And since we are his children, we are, heir, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of, his, of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. So, if he is our father and we are his children and we're joint heirs with Jesus, we have an unbelievable inheritance coming our way. That's something to get excited about. We have an unbelievable inheritance coming our way. But a lot of times we doubt our worth. And check this out, the beautiful thing about that is that we're not sons and daughters by worth, but we're sons and daughters by birth. And that's why Jesus said you have to be born again to experience that unbelievable inheritance that we have. It's not about how worthy you are. It's about the birth. It's about being alive in Christ. It's about having that relationship with the Creator. Amen? My God. How many have ever seen Lion King? Whoops. I was watching Lion King. I have kids, but really it's because I'm a, I'm a closet Lion King and Disney fan. So if you want to make fun of me after church, I'll be out front. We can shake hands. <laughs> Just saying, you know, I can show you the world. You know, Kuna Matata, all that stuff. I like Disney. I love Disney. Disney's awesome. I was trying for the worship team and I was going to sing a Kuna Matata, but Josh, he wouldn't let me. So, you know, pray for him, you know. But I was watching The Lion King and I was thinking about this. I was watching with my kids, not really, I was just watching myself, but anyway. And there's this one scene in the movie where, where Simba is doubting who he is. Man, and he was having this identity crisis and, and we all know Simba, we all know who he is. He's Mufasa's son. I tried to get my James Earl Jones on, but it didn't really work out. Three times a day, my voice is, is going, Mufasa. Trying again, but it didn't work. But here's the thing, like, he was trying to figure out who he was and Rafiki, who, who remembers Rafiki? That, that little monkey is funny, man. Simba! <laughs> I like him, I like him. <laughs> your, your father is alive! And Simba's like, where, where is he? He's like, this way! And they're running through the jungle. But that point where Simba's like, I, he's seeking and searching for his father and he wants to find his father but he doesn't know where he's at. Then he gets to the weeds and he spreads the weeds and he opens up the weeds and he walks down to the water. He looks in the water and he, 
doesn't see his father, he sees his own reflection. And I'm reminded of that scripture in Proverbs where it says, as water reflects the face of a man, so the heart reflects the life. And he's looking, and he says, Rafiki, I don't see my father. He says, look again. And the water starts to ripple, you know, Disney effects, it's really cool. And he looks again, and he starts, his image starts to change. He starts to see his father's face. I thought, man, that's so powerful. And Mufasa comes out of the sky. Simba. He says, you don't know who you are because you don't remember me. Here's Simba, son of the king. Had access to all the inheritance, but he didn't know who he was. And he said, Father, I don't know what to do. He said, Simba, remember who I am so you can remember who you are. And that's what God is saying to us today. You are my children. Remember who you, remember who I am so you can remember who you are. Your joint heirs with Jesus. I love you. I'm pursuing you. Man, if we can grasp a hold of that and realize who we are, that will change the way we pray. That will change the way we dream. That will change the way we act. That will change the way we view life. If we just know who we are, we are children of the King. Your chest will get a little bit bigger. My wife doesn't want that to happen to me. But you will remember who you are. But on the onset of this message, I talked about why God answered Jabez's prayer. And it's because he had that personal relationship with the Creator. And it baffles me, and I have some friends that don't have their relationship with God, and like, Terry, man, I, I just don't know about my life, man. I don't feel fulfilled. And, and I'm thinking all the while while they're pursuing this, and they're thinking, why is the feeling of fulfillment eluding me? I know it's because they don't have a relationship with the Creator. And today, some of you in here may not have that relationship with the Creator. Or maybe some of you in here have that relationship with God, but but because you don't fulfill when was the last time that you pursued his presence? I find it, the times in my life when I find that I'm getting bored in life and things are going on in my life, it's because when was the last time that I pursued his presence? With every head bowed and every eye closed real quick, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't extend this and say like today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with the Father, Friends, I can guarantee that you're missing out on the most important inheritance and that's eternal life. I want to extend that opportunity this morning that if you don't have, and you're seeking, you want to know, Terry, I want to, I want to experience fulfillment. I want to experience the peace. I want to experience presence, the presence of God in my life. Go ahead and slip your hand up right now. Nobody's looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wait a couple more seconds. If you want to understand, thank you, that God is pursuing you, pursuing you right now. I'm gonna wait a couple more seconds. Thank you. And let's pray. Father, we thank you so much 
that you're pursuing us, God, that you, you desire to have that relationship with us, Jesus, that you want us to live a fulfilled life. And that doesn't necessarily mean, God, that we're going to be free from problems and free from trouble. But God, that means that you're going to be there every step of the way because you're pursuing us and you care about us. God, for those hands that were raised this morning, I pray right now that, God, that there, there will be peace, God, that comes over them, Lord. Jesus, it's not about the prayers that we pray that we can enter into a relationship with you, but it's about seeking you. It's about understanding who you are and believing in our heart that you have a, uh, that you have a desire to be with us. So God, right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that those who raise their hands this morning, let them know that you are with them, Jesus. Let them know that you are there with them, God. We thank you, Father, for what you did. We thank you for what you did this morning, all the other campuses, God. We love you so much, and we bless you and praise you in Jesus' name.